The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. In a, st- a statement, the chief of Hamas has said they are nearing a truce agreement with Israel. They gave no more details, but an official told Al Jazeera television that the negotiations were centred on how long a truce would last, arrangements for delivery of aid into Gaza, and the exchange of hostages. Joining me for more on this, Alistair Brunkel, the Middle East correspondent with Sky News. Alistair, good morning. Good morning. How imminent is imminent? We have been here before. The hopes have been raised for the hostage families and then dashed again. And so I think we should be cautious. However, it does appear as though we are closer to a deal than at any stage during the last six and a bit weeks. And we are hearing the right kind of noises from the right kind of people, whether that is Ismail Haniyeh, who is the political leader of Hamas based in Qatar, whether it's President Biden or whether it is unnamed but senior Israeli officials today. Uh, What is the shape of the deal that's being talked about? It's unlikely that Hamas will give up all the aces that it holds in those hostages. Well, I can only tell you what is being speculated, because, of course, if there is a deal, we'll then have to see what the, the reality is. But what is being speculated is the release of women and children, firstly, which is probably around 50 or 60. Uh, And then I think the second category that we might expect to be released are foreign or dual nationals, of which there are quite quite a number um, we believe to be held in Gaza. In exchange for that, there could be uh, the release of some women and children, Palestinian women and children held by the Israelis. There would be a pause in fighting. The suggestion is for five days, and you would see the hostage released in a sort of a staggered fashion over those days. And during that time, it would also be an opportunity to surge humanitarian aid into the Gaza Strip. Now, there's clearly been a number of sticking points, many of which I guess we're not aware of. There's been reasons why a deal hasn't been agreed so far. One of those, just to give you an example, could be Hamas's demand that during a truce, Israel stops all flights over the Gaza Strip. Now, I don't expect Israel would want to agree to that because Israel will want to, at the very least, keep surveillance flights over Gaza during any pause in fighting in order to monitor Hamas to make sure they're not regrouping, Mm -hmm. uh, repositioning and rearming. Um, One of the intriguing things for me, at any rate, has been the safety of the hostages, um, because if they've got hostages to uh, bargain with, then those hostages must be uh, alive and you know, at least in relatively good health. So I'm, I'm wondering, you know, the Israelis are trying to track down Hamas, um, but they're also bombarding areas of Gaza, which might contain hostages. But if Hamas can protect the hostages so well, surely they can protect their key assets, their military assets, as well as they can protect hostages. I think that's a very fair point. What I would say is that don't, expect that the hostages are all being kept by one group, by Hamas. They are, at least according to Hamas, and I I think this is believable, Hamas have got a a large number of the 240 or so hostages. But Palestinian Islamic Jihad, the small militant group have also got some, and others of criminal gangs took advantage of the situation on October the 7th to take their own hostages. And look, let's be honest, the chances are that 
of all the hostages that were taken, some might not still be alive. But where they're being held, Israel clearly doesn't know. I would have thought that six and a bit weeks into this war now, including a major ground invasion of the north of Gaza, Israel would have, would have expected to have found, located and rescued some of the hostages by now. And yet that hasn't really happened with the, with the exception of one, well, sorry, two Israeli soldiers, one they found alive uh, and one they found dead. To what extent would Israel's intelligence capacity within the Gaza Strip still be up and working? During a during a pause, you mean? No, I mean, just now. I mean, obviously, they have people who are um, deeply covert, who've been working yeah. in Gaza and supplying the Israelis with information. I'm just wondering to what extent they, they have any real intelligence still being gathered. Well, the, the, the assumption always was prior to October 7th that the Israelis had very, very good insight and oversight of what was going on in Gaza with human sources, uh, but also using anyone who goes into Gaza at any time, you always hear drones overhead, of, uh, overhead at any point during the day, uh, even during quote unquote peacetime. What happened on October the 7th has obviously slightly shattered that, 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 that image because uh, if Israel did have very good intelligence, they clearly did not see these attacks happening. However, I think it is still safe to assume that they do have intelligence assets inside Gaza. The Israelis have claimed as well that they are now receiving uh, quite a lot of information from uh, Palestinians not linked to Hamas, but who are in Gaza um, themselves. They've also captured a few Hamas operatives who they say are giving them a lot of information. And then you've got the military surveillance, the ability to tap into phone lines, which I think the Israelis control the phone lines. They control the, all the communications uh, within, within the Gaza Strip, effectively. They fly surveillance flights over there constantly. The Americans are doing the same uh, to help them try and locate the hostages as well. So I think their intelligence is pretty good but clearly has some holes in it. Mm. Now, the deal that uh, emerges from Qatar, uh, how will that be processed? I mean, the Americans clearly, uh, Biden under pressure from within his own Democratic Party to uh, accelerate the move towards some sort of ceasefire for humanitarian aid to get through to Gaza. Yeah. Um, what happens within Israel itself? Uh, who's got to give this the nod? Is it simply Netanyahu or does the whole cabinet have to sit around and discuss? Well, it's more than just that. So firstly, it has to be agreed by the war cabinet. That is a, that is a collection of five men, um, primarily Netanyahu, Yoav Gallant, the defence minister, and Benny Gantz, the former defence minister, currently the most popular opposition leader. Uh, and then you've got two um, observers as well. So they would have to approve it first. Then it has to be approved by the wider security cabinet, and then finally, by the full Israeli cabinet, which includes the likes of Itamar Ben-Gavir and Bezalel Smotrich, two of these well-known far-right politicians in the coalition. That sounds quite long-winded and as though it could be rather bureaucratic, but I'm being told by people within the Prime Minister's office that actually that process could happen pretty quickly, within five or six hours, potentially, if they really wanted to expedite it. Mm -hmm. uh, does it require unanimity from all of these uh, three uh, groups? I think you know, if it's going to progress to the security cabinet, it will have had unanimity from the war cabinet. If it's going to progress from the security cabinet to the full cabinet, I think it will have had unanimity there. 
the the expectation amongst Israeli officials is that if the war cabinet and the security cabinet have agreed a deal, then nobody else would have a reason to oppose that deal. But I read just before we came on air, or I came on air to talk to you, that Itamar Ben-Gavir, this far-right politician, uh, has said in the last hour that he has concerns over a deal. I think he's concerned that he's been kept out of the loop. And I think he will raise concerns about um, whether fuel could be allowed into the Gaza Strip as part of a deal. Um, now, that's not to mean that he cannot be brought round and brought on side. But when it gets to the full cabinet stage, it might not be just a simple um, show of hands and pass through. It might take a little bit more deliberation. Now, this uh, truce, ceasefire, pause, call it what you will, is uh, to last several days. We don't know the the, the detail of that. But uh, obviously the military establishment particularly, and perhaps some of those far-right politicians and even Netanyahu himself, uh, were insisting that they would uh, pursue their military goals until they had achieved uh, the wipeout of the Hamas ability to... to control operations. This obviously has not yet happened and there were concerns they'd lose impetus. Very hard maybe to start up operations again when maybe with people going in and out of Gaza with humanitarian relief the the full scale uh, of what has gone on there uh, would be reported by objective observers rather than by the two protagonists. Might be very hard to get up and running again so what brought about, do you think, this um, softening of line by Netanyahu? I think you're absolutely right. We were discussing that. My team were discussing that yesterday. So if you did have a humanitarian pause and you did have a big influx of international aid, um, particularly from Arab countries like the UAE and Saudi Arabia, uh, for example, then it will make a, a military operation that, that much harder for the Israelis. But what is not in any doubt is that the Israelis have not achieved their objectives yet. They have not eliminated any of the, the major leaders like Yaya Sinwar, um, even if this hostage release deal goes through, there, there will still be a very, very sizable number of Israeli hostages being held uh, in Gaza because there's no way that Hamas can release any IDF soldiers they've taken, for example. And Hamas still have, they are still firing rockets. We were we were um, down south yesterday and there were rocket sirens going off. So they, they, their military capability has not been, not been wiped out. And I think the Israelis do want to go uh, into the south of Gaza, but it will be it will be harder. And why has this deal, or is this deal potentially coming about? Well, I spent quite a lot of yesterday with some of the hostage families. They then met Netanyahu last night, and I detected a changing mood. Uh, for many weeks, the country, albeit having been very divided for much of this year, became very united behind the military and the government. In, uh, in an attempt to avenge the attacks. But a lot of the hostage families have started to feel that the war cabinet and the IDF have been prioritizing the military operation over any possible deal to get some of the hostages out. And that mood was starting to turn. And along with pressure, I'm sure, from Washington and from others, it might be that the Israelis feel that uh, either now the time is right or they cannot um, hold out on this for much longer. 
Now, uh, the political implications, the fallout uh, that will occur after uh, some hostages are released and perhaps there might be news of others who have not made it. And we know of that female IDF member who, uh, it appears, was alive, although wounded, and then may have been simply murdered uh, by her captors. Uh, That's the story that's going around. Again, propaganda or truth, we don't know. But if it turns out that, you know, Israeli bombardment was responsible for the death of some of the hostages, um, the political fallout for Netanyahu could be extreme. Yeah, it could be. Uh, I think the political fallout for Netanyahu, regardless, uh, will be very damaging and probably will see the end of his uh, political career. There are already calls. And again, you know, I was saying how the mood amongst some hostage families have changed. Uh, The mood amongst Israel has changed as well. That is not to say that people or the country is sort of outright opposed to Netanyahu at the moment. But those initial weeks of solidarity, unification, that is sort of giving way now to a a wider reality that Netanyahu is still an unpopular leader. And although calls to replace him are pretty thin at the moment, Yair Lapid, the opposition leader, has called for him to step down. But realistically, I don't think anybody expects Netanyahu to vacate the post during the middle of the war. But that time will come. And he is the man who a lot of people are gunning for because he is the man who they believe was ultimately Mm. responsible at the time of the attacks. Mm. And finally, Alistair, do we know anything of the uh, scale of the operations of the IDF today in the run-up to... Uh, what may be a truce, um, to get as much done as possible. Where are they operating? What are they doing? Yes, I mean, the the operations uh, are continuing um, apace. I mean, nothing nothing has changed. I think they've struck uh, about 400 targets in the last 24 hours, not just in northern Gaza, but also in uh, in the south as well. There's an airstrike in Karnunis, which is one of the southern cities yesterday. Um, they have also, the IDF, encircled a major refugee camp in northern Gaza, and they are planning to move in to um, take on Hamas fighters there. And uh, that, that area, that refugee camp, has been a Hamas stronghold over the years. And so that looks as though that's their next target as they've, uh, they've managed to encircle that. Um, just looking to the south of Gaza, aid is still coming in. Um, around 70 trucks came in yesterday, 70 trucks worth of aid came in yesterday. It sounds a lot. But prior to October the 7th, on average, there were 500 trucks going into Gaza every single working day. So any aid is good aid, but it is still way below what Gaza needs. Alistair Bunkle, Middle East correspondent for Sky News. Alistair, thank you very much for joining us on the... The Pat Kenny Show. With Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9am. On News Talk.